tons of heals, but these go heals on it. It looked like butt plugs. Every time I saw them, and I, even when she posted it, and then when she wore it, I was waiting for the right moment to capture it and posted it. I had like I had like ninety comments on it, and now I keep getting people sending me pictures of butt plugs. If, if it's like some things, we actually sent you a butt plug. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, like there was a gun that day. I don't even know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. Like gun with that, and then there's like a 2014 at the a big soccer tournament or some sports thing where they had this huge 20 foot thing that looks like butt plugs. And people <laughs> send me the stuff. Now when people think of butt plugs, they think of me apparently. World class lessons from the real estate industry's top one percent, empowering agents to think bigger and do more to create life by design. Get access to exclusive interviews with top producing real estate professionals. Listen in as we talk about their journey in the business, best practices, and lessons learned. Hosted by Kiron Asrala and John Scipioni. I mean, one thing that we always say in our office is just action is better than perfection, right? This is Light It Up with Lighthouse Residential. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Light It Up Podcast. We are thrilled to have with us today team leader of Team Fast. Kenny Fast out of Oakland, California, 13 years in the business. Kenny, thank you so much, man, for, for spending some time with us today. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for your invite. Of course. Excited to go through this conversation and see what comes out of it. We had uh, Elias on a couple weeks ago, and that was an awesome conversation. It was funny because in the beginning of Elias's episode, we were like, listen, we have Kenny coming on in a couple of weeks, so uh, don't give us too much. He's like, listen, we're both completely different. <laughs> so you're going to get two different aspects of it. So we're excited for this. All right. Jump into the lightning round. Go ahead. So as we told you, Kenny, we like to start with this lightning round. Yeah. Unreal, unrelated to real estate, hit you with uh, some some pointed questions just to get the conversation flowing here a little bit. I like this one. Uh, Kenny, what mistake do you keep making over and over again? Um, one common one that's been happening that my, I've actually been purposely trying to make this mistake. So make me a more um, kind person is try to keep staff a little longer and giving them a benefit of doubt. We've had a lot of virtual assistants uh, suck and my team says fired them. I was like, well, let me give them one more try. Let's hop on the call with them, see how we can work it out. Let's give them an extension and uh, it, it has not worked out. Ouch. I would rather just fire people quick, but I've been trying to um, try the other way around, but it has not been working. Yeah, I think I can relate to yeah. that one. <laughs> Anybody watching this? You, you have that habit. I mean, well, I mean, it hasn't worked in the business sense, but I feel like it's making me a more kind, compassionate person, which I'm not known for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what stereotype do you completely live up to? I I just don't give a fuck. Like I post all kinds of stupid shit online and talk a lot of trash uh, to people about companies, whatever. And I that's kind of, kind of how I built my brand over the last year, and it just keeps working, working for me. So I keep sticking to it. Yeah, it's wrong. polarizing. My, my coach says all your content needs to be polarizing. You don't have an opinion or it's bland, and no no one's really gonna follow it. And no one really wants to like engage or comment on it. It's, other, other, it's just like oh great, he's that sounds cool, <laughs> but you know oh my god, he said that. Well, how do I feel about it? No, that's a good point. There was a story um, that you posted, Kenny, during like I guess it was a holiday party. Did you see that with the heels? No, I can't get that in my mind. It was it, he compared the heels uh, of this girl that oh she the had, butt plugs, the butt oh, yeah, plugs. The <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like I was looking at it. I was just like, damn. <laughs> I don't know if that's like borderline that's HR. Like, Do you have an HR department, or did you fire those people too? <laughs> no, there's no yeah. HR department in real estate. <laughs> well, there kind of is, like. There, there is because then, like most managers, I, I'm at, I'm at EXP. If I mentioned that, but like if you were at Compass at Sotheby's, 
somewhere else, I don't think they would allow you or would definitely imagine giving me a call because my friend had some very expensive Christian Louboutins or something. I don't know. I don't Louboutins, wear them. Yeah. Louboutins, uh, expensive heels with these gold heels on it. It like butt plugs. Every time I saw them, and I, even when she posted it, and then when she wore it, I was waiting for the right moment to capture it and post it. And I, had like, I had like 90 comments on it. And now I keep getting people sending me pictures of butt plugs. If, if it's like some things. We actually sent you a butt plug. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, like there was a gun that day. I don't even know. I didn't, I didn't look into it. Like gun with that. And then there's like a 2014 at the a big soccer tournament or some sports thing where they had this huge 20-foot thing that looks like butt plugs. And people <laughs> send me the stuff. But now when people think of butt plugs, they think of me apparently. It, it, it's how you keep conversation going. I thought you were going to bring up that the one about like talking about why people stay broke. And that had like 90 comments. I posted that during a uh, while I was at this fancy hotel restaurant thing. But yeah, like you give people stuff to talk about and you make people talk to each other about it and become kind of, kind of like controversial. And that's, that's really what keeps you ahead. As long as you're not being unethical, um, doing anything illegal, or just being an asshole just for, for sake of being an asshole, I think like just bringing discussions to, to topics. Yeah. It's, uh, it just makes, and then well, can you, like you, you brought it up, right? Like, oh yeah, I can't believe Kenny said that or that. And that was there like just less than a week ago or not a week and a half ago. Yeah, it's like you're just walking the fine line, but you're not overgoing it. But it's yeah. like yeah. you're there enough to be like, because I could, I could probably name three of your videos. That I'm just like on top of my head. Even when we jumped on this call, I was like, don't, don't beat packages up with those golf clubs anymore, <laughs> uh, because it's just it's it's funny and it just stands out um, overall, which is good. All right, hit next question. How do you get in the way of your own success? I think it's still trying to micromanage some projects or like trying to instead of like fully delegating things out. I'll just give you like a quick example. I've been trying to build this internet for like two years now, and I finally got that. this web designer I paid almost screwed me over. It took me literally like over a month and calling her 10 times, emailing her a ton and threatening lawsuits until I got my password. Got my password, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna build this, this whole intranet. Well, and then I had on this web, a company with a new web development company. Uh, I said, I will do it for you. I was like, oh, let me try it myself. And I spent like an hour yesterday. I can only make this like three things show up on the screen. And I was like, you know what? Now I'm thinking about, it. I really just hand things off to other people. Sometimes I wanna like just try things out to learn it, have some fun. Uh, and I, like I, I've been wanting to cut cut my own videos for a while now. I actually set up an entire studio. I have two offices. This is one of my offices. Uh, I have their office literally like 15 feet away from me uh, with like your setup, like dark room setup with the crazy lights and all that. Because nice. like, I want to learn some video editing. I'm sure that's not the best use of my time and they'll probably slow me down on making content, but I really want to do that to, and it's not going to help me do business faster. It's just more like a hobby. Yeah. So like some of the things I, I but I also think people need hobbies, right? You can't just be all in and delegate hundred percent of everything. Yeah, you need to find some joy in the, the yeah. mundane boredom. Learning process. Yeah, yeah like I, I so I thought building websites would be fun. It was frustrating. I didn't mind or doing my own Canva projects and that. So I I'm, I'm I really like marketing. So some of that stuff slows down the company a little bit, but my hours of work might pivot the company one or two degrees this this way or that way, which overall long term could be better, but short term probably people probably think it's a stupid waste of time. Yeah. I've yeah. spent like six or seven hours on Canva this week. I've been posting on my stories you see I'm working on. It, to me, it's a really passionate project, something no one else is doing, and it's it's just a stupid Canva picture. But there's going to be 60 of those pictures. Kenny, you could probably be at like 500 agents instead of 365 if you stopped fucking around <laughs> with Canva. I think so. <laughs> hey, we're recruiting as fast as we could right now. Well, that's what happens when you're number one in ESP like, for two years in a row. You yeah. just go in and start cutting videos. <laughs> you're, yeah, like, you're like, we could grow the business faster. I'm like, how much faster? <laughs> really? It's, yeah. That's the thing. Like, but then the then live it too is how I build my business. So it's not just one way. Like showing people what I'm working on and how I'm building it, recording the back end of this Canva, talking about the internet. It's also part of the my stories. I post um, on average 50 stories a day for the last three months. So that's, that creates content. 
So that's, again, for the, for the straight business point growth, that's pretty mundane and doesn't add value, but it does add value to my brand. Hey, this is what I'm working on, which adds more people following me, which adds more com comments, which in turn um, creates agent attraction, which is recruiting. But I can't say someone saw this stupid video of sure. me on Canva and recruited. But yeah, we've actually recruited over 500 team members to our team in the last three years, in less than three years. Uh, we lost like 170. So we're now, we're, we're floating about 360 team members right now. Do you want to ask one more question and we just jump right into? Go ahead. All right. If you had to have dinner with three people, either dead or alive, who would it be and why? I think Elon Musk is going to be one of them, just so I can pull some stupid pictures and ask some stupid questions and get some really smart answers back. <laughs> you serious? Oh, maybe like a dead president or something. I don't, I don't, follow, I don't follow history. I don't really care for sports. So it's not a lot of people I like look up to admire maybe like and find like a funny actor back in the day like i, I like comedy so who's a funny actor that kind of passed me like robin williams or something cool john hates it every time i ask that question well, i hate <laughs> that you, i hate that you asked three because everybody yeah. says one or two and then they, they struggle on the third what's your most common answer of uh someone they want to meet it's not jay-z right i think common would be family no <laughs> no, yeah. no not jay-z oh. no i think a couple of people said family yeah that's the most common there's uh no like specific person that they would meet with. But that would be funny if it was Jay-Z because of that whole <laughs> bet that they had, $20 million. All right, cool. Let's jump right into it then. So Kenny, you've been in the industry for 13 years and you've built a top producing team for the last two years consecutively, um, just constantly doubling up production. How did you get into the business? Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey uh, of from when you first started till now? Probably keep it short. I've answered this tons of time and they can drag really long. I got into real estate, not on purpose. I just found a gig to store signs at my house. It's auction.com signs. And I just stabbed them in the ground all across Northern California. And then um, some people came to my parents. I lived with my parents at the time. Came to my parents' house on the porch and just knocked on my door just out of courtesy. They're supposed to really just grab the sign and go. And I connected with this guy. He was, he was super funny. This big Nigerian dude. His name was Sonny Peters. One of the like, funniest people I met. I was like, and then he asked me if I wanted to be an assistant. And I literally started work next week. Did that for a year, installing lock boxes, doing BPOs, installing signs, that kind of grunt work. Uh, and then until I got my license. And when I got my license, I kind of just, then it took another year, my first year license, I didn't really sell anything. Uh, because working like three or four other jobs at the time. Gigs, three or four other gigs I found on Craigslist at the time. Because uh, like heavy recession. I think this was the year 2010. Homes in my area were like going for 100 grand. So you, so you sort of fell into the industry, right? <laughs> yeah, I just fell into it. It was just another thing to do, make some... Okay, this seems interesting. But I, I got really passionate about it within my second year. And it wasn't a, I don't have a motivational story like, oh, I love helping people and all that. I do, but I saw like oh, the marketing side of it. I saw, wow, this, because I've been, I've been building websites and computers and stuff since fifth grade. Um, wow. So I'm really into technology and social and marketing, all that. So I saw a gap in the market. So I saw ability to like do something with that. And how there wasn't even things like CRMs available at that time yet either. So I was working on spreadsheets. So I saw, how behind the industry was and how I can like do something with it. And I started building my brand, this fast agent brand over 10 years ago. Um, and just grew, grew that from there. Now, like everyone's, you know, big on social, which is, but this, I've been doing social for like 10 years. Wow. I, I heard a podcast uh, that you were a guest on and you were talking about, you started with the newsletters and that was gaining traction. Then you just were just leveraging social media and you had minimum standards for how you were posting just for agent attraction period. And that's how you got a lot of your agents that you recruited on the team as well. Yeah, early on, I think my, like nine years ago. So nine to three years ago. So I didn't use that for six years. I think my first one was like Breaking Bad. Put the letters B-A-B-A -B -A, and I made it into like F-A-S-C. But if you guys go to KennyChung.com, again, I haven't updated in three years. I took pop culture, like Skittles, Snickers, 
Pornhub, the Raiders. <laughs> I was just looking through yesterday, Jumanji, whatever movie or something happening that week. Uh, I, I took the, the logo and turned it into Fast Agent. I had a professional designer, by the way, so it all looked like super legit. Uh, sold, sold the logo, copied it, and made an entire newsletter. Color, color based on that, design based on that, what typically five, seven articles with a couple animated GIFs and different icons. And then every week with a different newsletter appealing to someone that might like that product. And then I won a bunch of awards early on for that. And that was what I was known for. Uh, and then later on, I did like bus benches. I had a hundred bus benches in Oakland that went up 99, actually, to be technical. At one point, all I said was fast agent on it. So I was able to tie a lot of off, offline people to come find me online on my website or on social media or on Instagram to discover where I was. So, a lot, so all that is kind of like guerrilla marketing, just be, being like out there. And again, like some of the news, the newsletter is really out there because one week, one week, the entire newsletter might be blue and red and just crazy colors and another week might be pink and something. So, so it was very appealing to whoever liked that. And that's kind of a quick way to build rapport with people. You kind of find something that you both can like and enjoy. And then when I had those newsletters, I would post them on my LinkedIn every single week. I would change my Facebook personal profile cover page every single week, my Twitter feed every week and send that email every week. So I did that six weeks, six years straight every single week until the last couple and then I fell off. I went to Cabo trip and just partied really hard. Like, <laughs> no, screw it. This newsletter doesn't make me any money. And it was kind of fading out too. Again, that was a huge passion project for me. Every week it took me on average five to six hours to do this newsletter. And I never missed a beat for six years. At that time though, you were just you know, a small team or was it, you were still in yeah. production? Small team. I, 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 third year in real estate, started a team. I went up to like two or three buyers agents by the end of that year. And then that year, and then by, by my third year in real estate, when I hired my first assistant, they weren't licensed yet. My third year in real estate, um, I became the number one agent in Oakland for a number of units sold, uh, representing buyers. And I was like top three for total unit count. So from three years to two years till actually maybe late last year, I was actually number one uh, agent in Oakland for units. My third and fourth year, I had a small team of like three or four. That team thing didn't work out. I joined the next company, Climb Real Estate, which is my fifth year in business. And I said, I gave up team. So I moved into more like mentoring agents. Agents still reached out to me and I ran like the internet online team there. And that also kind of imploded. People just crying, complain a lot. It was until my fifth year at Climb Real Estate, which was my ninth year in business, which was four years ago from today, I really formed my true team. It was my third time doing a team where I actually, okay, everyone here works for me. I'm the leader. I just, whatever I say goes. And that's that's a trouble with a lot of teams. There's not a clear leader and it's, they're more like groups that kind of combine resources. But that, that was my third time doing a team nine years ago. And I grew that from one agent to 10 agent within a year. Did about 88 deals that year. The year was number 23 ranked in California for medium-sized teams. And I came to ASP. Three, less than three years ago. January makes three years. So I came to East Beach about three years ago with Team of 12. What made you want to make that shift from being in production and having a team of a few buyer's agents to, I think you said, growing from one agent to 10 agents? And, and sort of at that point, were you sort of taking yourself out of production? No, I was, I was still very much in production. That fifth year at Climb, actually my, that fourth year at Climb, so the year before I started Team, um, I've always built, did a lot of business, but I, I part, I'm like, Oddly, I learned how to partner up with agents. So 95, maybe 98% of the homes I've sold in the last six, seven years, I was on a deal, like has been with another person. So I climb, even though I didn't quite have a team yet, I partnered up with many agents in my office, the experienced ones. But that fourth year I was at climb, my eighth year in business, a lot of agents started leaving the compass. So all my, all my good friends, probably 80% of my friends left the compass. I was the only guy that's like, well, I don't want to go compass. Uh, so I, I lost, I had, I had trouble keeping up the production. 
because I didn't have partners there. So I was like, you know what? It's time for me to form a real team. And like early on that year to the fourth year, we we didn't want to afford like a six figure person to be assistant. So we had three people share one assistant. Then later on, one rotated out. And then later one person left. And it was just me and the other person. I was like, dude, this is crazy. I don't know if we can afford her. Uh, do we cut back our production or cut back our hours? Do we like figure something out? And then that summer, business started really booming. I don't know why. Business got really good that year. And it was like, cool. And then like it was growing. I was like, okay, we can do this. And then he left. So now I was left by myself. I was like, okay, um, I need to form a team because I, I either I had let you go or I need to build something. And then that fifth year, I, I, I built something. And that's where it just got really good. And during that year with new agents too, I was still partnering up with a handful of agents still in my office. There's like three people I partnered up with. Still did like 88 transactions that year. Talk to us a little bit more about partnering up. What do you mean by that when you say you partner up with other agents? Um, you literally work with a client together 50-50 typically. On the buy side, it's all 50-50 for me or just bringing, bringing another agent to work, which is not very common in most offices and most brands. You typically have like, you know, a team or a group of agents that uh, work together. But I've always tried to work with different agents uh, depending on their experience levels, their areas of specialty. And because I was, I'm really good at lead generation. And before it was online leads, but I, I was able to generate a lot of self like online leads. So that was my strength. And because of that, like, okay, I can get the lead who can find work with me on it. And for yeah. other, for like, I'll say 90% of agents, the lead gen part is probably, probably a, little, a little different now with social media, but I would say maybe four or five years ago and more, the hardest part about, the hardest part about real estate for majority agents is lead generation. Well, I think that's sort of an interesting segue. So you're saying that you would partner up with these people in your office because you would find the lead and you would find maybe the best person in your office to sort of to sort of work yeah. that lead. Whether sometimes they'll bring me back on some deals, but it was it was usually I had more deals to give out. I, I so like there's like I don't know five or six agents in the office, and I can I count them for anywhere from ten to thirty percent of their businesses typically. That's smart. Not a lot, lot, but like it's kind of cool to have some extra business on site. And that was at Climb Real Estate. That was at Climb. So I'm sure the broker probably wasn't a big fan of you thinking that you're giving the agents on the. The, in the office, the leads when when he's probably not able to do the same thing. No, um, funny enough, like I, and um, no, my my own the owner there loved it. It's funny because his story was he was a team. He grew his team to a team of twenty three, and they were the biggest team in their office uh, for a really big brand, like a three billion four billion dollar sales company now in San Francisco, and they grew out of it. But for me, um, I helped recruit about like seventy agents at the office. I really liked it. They really took good care of me. The the branding was on point. The first year at Climb, I won. It's just coincidentally, uh, Climb Real Estate won the most innovative brokerage of the year award, and I won the most innovative agent slash broker of the year award. So I was the most coolest person in real estate that year from Inman, and they were the coolest company. So it was a really good alignment. It was great there. You know, I didn't even, like I didn't even get a really good split or what I should have gotten until a couple of years later. I didn't ask because I was just so happy there, and they also took care of me. So like the second team, I didn't really quite mention was middle of my first year there towards the second. Um, I took over the entire internet team. So they, I got them to drop up, up to 50 grand a month on Azillo leads for me. And then I got a referral on every single deal. So I, I mentored nice. and trained probably close to 100 agents during my time there. And I got paid really well to do that. Kind of like a pre-Zillow Flex team, team. What was it that made you want to sort of switch into more of a mentorship role? Was it that you, did, just, you didn't like sort of pounding the pavement working with clients? Or were you just like, hey, I, I, can, I can sort of coach these people better than I can actually you know, grinding out the deals? Yeah, that, that, that mentor role was we, I mean, some of the people I did deals together, but they most, I, I think I forgot the detail, but they mostly did their own. Because I remember my second year, Eric Climb, I recruited 15 people, but I know I didn't like, I was on everyone's contract. So I was using the online leads as a platform to teach them how to do business and they closed it and I got paid a referral fee. So it was like, I, 
you know, I, I, I as an agent only had so much bandwidth and I still ran my, I still was doing very heavy in production, hands on with every client. I had like two or three business partners I worked closely with. So I didn't need to work with 10, 15 people like side by side. I could work with three or four and still do my, I don't know, 50 deals a year, but still get paid on the other 50, 100 deals that comes to the company that I get a small portion of. When you look at the three pipelines, like you have the lead conversion, lead generation, and backend administrative, you had the backend administrative, you had the leads, and then you were using the office for the conversion part. Um, yeah. And building up the online profile is huge because Zillow is a really big deal. Less so now because of the flex, so your profile matters less. But I remember that year I combined with my company, I had like 60 sales and 100 reviews, let's just say. And then they had like 100 sales and six reviews. So we kind of merged into a mega account. I thought a lot of team leaders would do that too. I thought it was kind of like Power Rangers or Voltron or something. You just merge all the agents. Uh, and we, you, when you had that profile and then you started adding users to your team and you set their join date, like back in, let's just say this is 2018. Okay, well, I say, well, this agent actually joined me 2012. Not really, but I put that on and boom, all of a sudden, I can go from 300 reviews to tomorrow I have 320 reviews. And the next person joined that, 350 reviews and so on. So I built that account really big and I also got to eat up all their sales. So on Zillow profile, it shows that I have 4,000 sales right now. But during that couple of years, that was, I was one of the first people to figure out how to gamify it. And then a lot of team leaders have done that now, but that's not really like the thing or no one really does that anymore that I'm aware of. So that, that, that that's also a huge benefit of promoting that, hey, I'm the number one agent on Zillow in the entire market. Yeah, which is smart. And, and like, I know you posted a little bit about EOS when did you get into EOS and we haven't yet. We, I got the workbook and all that and how to run a business yearly business planning clinic. I got it from my mentors, Dan Beer and Kyle Whistle. So we're, we haven't fully integrated yet. I think early next year, we'll probably just try to self integrate it. Got it. Wow. But we, we work off like that agenda and all that stuff within your office. Yeah. Within my leadership team, we did that. And then we did a, a light version, a two pager, uh, for our business planning workshops. We held three business planning workshops this year at three locations. I think between that, we had like 200 different agents came out to our business planning workshops. So what does that mean? You do a workshop for the agents within TeamFast? Yeah, and it was open up to the public. To help them build a business plan for yeah. the next year. So it's a lot of innovation that's going on. What would you say is the, the cornerstones of how you built TeamFast now? Social media. Um, showing and social media. So when I came over to e, uh, EXP in January 2019, with a team of 12, uh, COVID hit in March that year and everything was shut down. So Facebook and social media, obviously. So between March and May, I was on 70 webinars. And then I, I was on like, I remember the first two I was on, it was like pretty high level people like Kevion and Enrique Medellin down here. And there's like lots of uh, San Jose, South Bay people here. So we band together and we did a mastermind. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And they got invited to another one. I was like, okay, everyone is stuck at home. There's nothing to do. I was like, I can do this. Like I, I have enough tech skills to do marketing, bring people together. So within that first month, I was getting like up to 200 people on a, on a webinar. And that did things like top 1% Alameda County agents, top 1% Contra Costa agents, top broker owners of Berkeley, Alameda, Oakland agents, mindset, motivation, hustle, stuff on investors. I had three investors speak on it. I did a couple of runs of like kind of in startup alley. Here's three tech tools from the CEOs coming to present stuff today. And I did about 35 webinars during the time. All the, all the webinars are recorded, by the way. They're all on YouTube to this day. And I got featured in another one. So I did 70 webinars. Those weeks, I did 15 webinars. I, I was on hosting. And then later on, what I did too was I tagged every single person that was speaking on Zoom. And it, and I synced it to, and live Zoomed it to Facebook. I tagged every single person. And then later on, I even like did marketing emails. Like, hey, 15 classes this week. Or then I made templates for the agents to promote my event. Um, so that's Facebook. So during COVID, when literally you could not do open house, you couldn't step outside, you, you couldn't even go to a grocery store. 
people are stuck at home watching my webinars every single day. So when June came, kind of COVID slowed down a bit. At least we can do um, open houses and kind of get back to work a little bit. Um, I had 17, agent, 17 agents on my team in June. I ran this broker model thing too, which because prior to that year, I came the last year I climbed, I was on every contract. The 88 contracts I did, I was on every single one. And then because I decided to do a team team. But then that year, my first year at ESP, during this run, I, I hired my first agent, my 17th agent or so, uh, where she was on this broker indie model where it's like, okay, I'm the, I'm not the broker at ESP, but I'm the independent broker owner. You come work for me and you do deals, you pay me a split. So I built that model out where like, oh, you get to be on Kenny's team, but not really. Like you get the resources and learn from Kenny, but I don't have to be your contract. Uh, we scaled that company. April, I signed up for a DBA for fast real estate. And by August, I, I got it approved. And then we got uh, through the, you know, the California business thing. And I got approved the DRE and the ESP. So fast real estate was officially born in August uh, 2019. Coming from hashtag team, uh, sorry, hashtag fast agent and hashtag team fast. My, my team was uh, hashtag team fast for a good year and a half. By June, I had 17 agents on my team. By September, I think I had like 50 agents on my team. And then when the year started, I had like, including people onboarding, I had like 110 team members. So we, we went from like 10 team members to 110 team members within 12 months um, at our first year here at eXp. And would you say that was, I mean, obviously you had been doing things for years to build agent attraction. I mean, even when we, when we left Climb, um, I interviewed 17 different companies. I met 13 people. There's a whole article on it. I interviewed 13 people in company and I was on Instagram story. So I would show up all these offices and just like, hey, we're going to go to Red Oak today. Or we're going to grab them. People like, like really showcasing us interviewing all the companies. So a lot of people watched that it was like a re reality TV show. And I was like, I didn't like this company. I like this company. And it kind of went, went kind of built an audience there, a, a thrilling one. So between that and then when the market did come back, outside of these webinars where if I was hosting it, I only spoke two minutes. You know, there's 20 people on the screen. I only need to hold two, five minutes, but I got all the street cred. And then, but going on and feel, hey, this is how you do uh, a virtual open house today. This is what you do. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff I forgot, but like this is how you run the business. But then that year I kind of stepped out of buyer production. I was still very heavy on listings. I think, I think that year I still went, I had like a hundred listing appointments, mostly on Zoom. Oh yeah, this is how you do a Zoom listing appointment. This is how you do a Zoom buyer's consultation. So being active on social, because Facebook was dead by then. By the time end of the three months in May, I couldn't even get like thirty people on the Zoom call. Yeah, because people were back to work. But that really escalated that. And then again, we started last January with about hundred agents or onboarding hundred agents. We started this year with about two hundred twenty team members. Uh, right now, about three hundred sixty team members or so. This year has been crazy. We've lost well over one hundred thirty team members this year. Maybe more. Actually, let me see. Yeah, about one hundred thirty. More than half are just not renewing their licenses right now. So. But we're cranking away. We're adding 25 team members a month. Yeah. Half of them have survived. Maybe 10% of them are like 300 grand producers or higher. So we're just we're just keeping at it. So you lost 130. I mean, I picked up a lot from that. So I hate to hard, you know, uh, finish on or start on a negative note. But lost 130. Would you say that was simply just because of market changes? People saying, hey. Market changes. A lot of people going solo e-speed. I'm not worried about it because we gained net positive um, 140 team members this year. We started with 220. I'm at 360 right now. So yeah. if if no one left my team, I would actually be at like a 500 team members right now. We asked Eliza this question. I mean, with a team that big, don't you think, do some people say, well, you know, I'm just going to get lost in the shuffle. I mean, I feel like how can I um, really get some, some, you know, attentions? How can I get enough training? How can I get enough <laughs> mentorship? How do you guys handle questions like that? Oh, our, I mean, we make fun of other teams all the time. I know teams of five and ten that never see each other. They all work remotely. They have they don't do any outings. They don't need they don't do any events. They don't post anything on social media together. They don't DM DM each other. They don't talk to each other on Slack. Here, like 
it also helps that I, I have seven retail offices now. I opened my first retail office two years ago in August, and I have seven and two co-working spaces here in the Bay Area. Um, our agents are in offices. 40% of them are, but Elias does group coaching three times a week in the morning, about 100 people show up. Our team meetings on average on Tuesday, 100 people show up, and we get like into the nitty-gritty. His calls, Elias calls, people get really vulnerable. They're going deep. They talk about their life experiences, what's working for them, what's not. Team meeting, we share our wins and sales. Again, we're a really, really, really heavy social media team. So I DM like over 100 different people a day or 100 different people DM in a day, and more than half is my team. So we're talking to each other a lot. We're collaborating on stuff a lot. Uh, we do a ton of events, panels, happy hours here, holly parties. Um, people party here quite a bit. Great <laughs> uh, uh, boot camps that we do. Uh, probably every couple months we do a boot camp. Maybe sixty people are on those calls. So we engage with each other way more than any other team I've seen. We talk to each other. We see each other a lot. And then it was a fun environment. And then and then literally just being on a team, you build relationships, do show show. So when people join a team, they post something. You're gonna get a ton of comments. You might do, post something cool and get fifty comments. And I see people that have left the team or not on the team, they'll get like three comments. Could we really put the social and social media? And now we're like creating collaboration and, and like video and fun videos together all the time. So in fact, running a team of this size is funner than ever. And also we, because of the seven locations, our agents go to different offices to work out of and just interact with each other. I've been in three different offices this week. Out of four, five days, I've worked in three offices for an entire day each week. That's pretty insane because the culture is a big thing. So it's you'd assume that you know the people who are leaving are people who aren't plugging in or aren't really just you know thinking it's going to be something that they're going to do maybe with something part time, but they don't want to you know shut the other expense. Our team is really an agent facing team. Like no one, not no one, but like consumers are not going to hire fast real estate agents because of fast real estate, and that's that was intentional. We're more like side, I think, where we're actually building the agents' brands. So if you look on our Instagram page, The Fast Agents, there's zero listings on there. There's zero reviews. It's really showcasing our agents' personalities. So we're helping agents build their personal brand. And then because of our social reach, and we're cranking out hundreds of reels a week between us, I mean, probably thousands of stories, the agents who come know exactly what they're getting. We Early on, we had a lot of people maybe in the first year building, building this company. They came, even at client, they come for something, they were never, but then it wasn't what they expected. It's not a good fit. They just maybe came because they saw my sales. They want to be around me. But now we've built this company where... The DNA of the company, you know, I built it early on, but this whole culture, subculture thing, but people come for different reasons. Because last year, we were the first Zillow uh, Flex team. We did $100 million, $99 million on Zillow Flex last year. So I was like, oh, yeah, come here. We have leads. But this year, completely shut that down. In January, we don't talk about Zillow Flex just because we, we, we might have lost the account or we knew it would decrease. So now people come here. We're, we brand ourselves as a team for content creation. When people come here, it's usually because they saw something fun online. Someone posted and start diving deep into people. Yeah. So by the time they land here, they know what they're getting and they're they're getting what they're they, they're looking for. So the culture is already like built where we tend to recruit more on the younger side because um, our agents typically are newer. This is typically a first career for many agents and a lot of people right out of college. The average age here is probably like late twenties. So the whole culture is really built around being being social and being visible. That's good. So what would you say is the main lead sources? Are, are you providing leads to the agents now or is it just the social aspect? Probably 18, for sure, under 20%. Under 20% of our uh, deals are online lead lease source. Last year, Zillow Flex was 14%. Right now I'm looking at it, I think we're, it's about eight, 11% of our business. A lot of our new agents are signing up for online lead sources, referral sites like Ojo and OpCity. Uh, we have a couple of Redfin partners here, but the other 80% is all organic. It's social media doing com community events. Uh, like right now, we, we had co drive a girl on our team did co drive with her out of our Fairfield office and collected over two thousand dollars. So yesterday, this week, she's been posting all day. She has a couple of really cool reels. Like, look, we're shopping at Costco right now. We're donating by community, and that's really makes you know makes you visible in community. 
or sock drives, uh, giving away food, stuff like that. So we're, in fact, a portion of our team meeting weekly is uh, dedicated completely to community events. So nice. it's just showing up, showing up your neighborhoods is, is key. Uh, the new newer agents are pounding away at open houses every single weekend. We have open house channel on Slack where there's always opportunities. Uh, a lot of them are door knock, many, many of them are door knocking the neighbors before they do the open house during that week. Uh, and they're doing cool reels and stuff during that time. Um, there's some cold callers on a team that's like Vulcan 7, Mojo kind of stuff. And then the rest of them are, I mean, call, some of them are calling our databases, but a lot of it is just like again, just social media, just creating content and, and having people reach out. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, so it sounds like the most the most of the people are coming to your to coming to Team Fast because they're younger, they just got their license, they want to be part of a community, a culture, they want to learn the business, they want to create content, and they want to yeah. And that's like some of the fun stuff. I and mean, we have tons of training. I mean, we have a train library built on my network with hundreds, and hundreds of videos. Every coaching call, every prior training, every workshop has been recorded in there. And then I I scope the internet through my emails, through Facebook, through Instagram, any type of training. Doesn't matter if it's from Keller Williams or Compass or Tom Ferry or Housing Wire, RIS Media, wherever the coach uh, training is, I put it in our side channel. Every event, real life event, is in there too. And then, so the training, I, we have absolutely the best training that I'm aware of, just because we're so heavy on it. And then when you lay, and then give you an example too, California Association of Realtors uh, recognizes ten rookies of the year. They call it the Rising Star Awards every year. I looked at the numbers; about nine thousand people can qualify. There's a five million dollar minimum production threshold. But again, 9,000 people have joined real estate in California in the last few years. Um, three of the top top 10 people that were uh, recognized this year were on our team. Awesome. So it's not just we have this, we have this, we have this. It's like, here's our proof of success. We have many agents here doing 20 deals plus their first year. They're building a big following online. They love their job. They're having fun. And that's what's making it very attractive to other agents. Like, well, I want to be like that guy. Not a lot of people, there's very few people who actually want to be like me because I built I built the company. They don't want to work the way I do or do things I do or or have you know people trash talk back. But we built these star superstars on the team. It's like, well, I want to be that guy or that person or yeah. that girl. And that's and usually those are our top recruiters on the team. Yeah. So, Kenny, I, I feel like, you know, it's very hard for someone who's, you know, a really strong, high production real estate agent uh, just to sort of turn into a business owner. You know, and, and like you said, you're a guy who, who sort of uh, loves technology, loves like the, the, the technology side of the business. How did you develop into somebody who can run and manage a team of this this caliber? I mean, what would you credit that to? I mean, it's hiring smart people. My my first assistant now is like my right hand. She's our executive director. She does all the broker compliant questions, working four days a week. And then her assistant, we hired on my first year here at ESP, uh, as her assistant, as my marketing assistant, doing Canva and other stuff. Now she's like one of the most important players on our team. She, we have four people on the leadership team. I'm Eliza's one of them, uh, director of uh, sales and coaching. And that handles all the recruiting calls if it's a referral from someone. And Karina is my executive director, handles all appropriate level questions. And then Moli is our director of agent services, handles our entire recruiting department, vendor services, partnerships, stuff like that. So hiring a lot of these people and just kind of giving them my vision uh, and letting them run with it has helped a lot. And, you know, and I study and mentor a lot. I don't, there's really no single person that's go to more, more conferences a year than I do. I hear that a lot. I, I spend about 130 to 150 days at conferences every year. And and every and then now this year I'm actually coming back trying to go to little niche versions of like stuff. So going to these conferences, learning stuff, and immediately when I hear someone say something that I want to do on stage, I just send it to my team. Hey, what what would it take to do this? What quarter should we do this? So we I'll say we were the fastest implementer of things, and because of that, like we're we're constantly ahead of everyone. So just taking action is key, and it helps that we have this many people and. 
you know, th there's enough revenue to try out a lot of stupid ideas. We waste, we literally probably wasted a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars last this year on things I really shouldn't have bought. And then now <laughs> we, when the market shifted, we, we looked at all our stuff and cut a lot of stuff back. You said something on Instagram the other day, and I, I hope I say this correctly. You find out what people are really good at, and then you figure out a role for them within the company. Do you remember saying yeah. that? Yeah, um, that's a post I posted yesterday. Yeah, so this is the literal example I gave you is Karina came in as my assistant. That's a person that we couldn't afford a couple of years ago. I was like, do I work with her or not? Or what's going to happen? And now she kind of runs the company. And we originally brought in someone like Moly to help us with marketing because we didn't have anyone else. And then and then she t turns out to be not quite the implementer yet. We don't have a in rocket fuel. I'm the visionary. We don't quite have a full integrator yet, but... Um, so now she runs a lot of her stuff she, like, and the people, people love her. And we tried, and then we, we've hired a lot of agents. Like, um, someone just left us, but this agent came on, she wants to sell real estate. She has like, I don't know, five, six, seven years corporate marketing and then, um, worked on us for a year. It sells okay real estate. So like a couple of homes. And then she asked us for a row and we, we built one around her. So she was our senior marketing director and she built all the assets, all the websites, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, like launch and did the rebrand and collateral and flyers and all that for us. And then she recently left, but we didn't know she had that skill set coming in. So I was like, okay, we'll make a row around you. Or we had someone that has, was a mortgage lender and built his business, co-calling people and being organized. Um, we brought them in into managing our Zillow stuff. And then it turns out it's pretty good. And then we, we built them to grow the ISA team uh, and then and get paid on override on Ojo and Opsidy. But then they also left the company. So we brought another person and replaced them that had experience running 60 ISAs at one point paying a hundred grand online leads. So we brought this person and now he runs our referral and online leads department. So we're always like looking for talent, pe people with special skill sets uh, that you can't find anywhere else. Like, okay, this person here, we need to keep this person here because I can't find that person like this person. And how do we build this around and maximize their, their usage? So the, the, the one thing I caught and I could be wrong. So I want to just clarify it. The, so if somebody comes into team fast, they're basically given everything they need to build their own brand within the company and their, their own presence and everything from there. Uh, so that one makes them present in people's mind who are in their database or sphere. For new leads that come in there, you have a small percentage that come in from Zillow, other lead sources, and then they can personally subscribe on their own to OpCity or Ojo. And they can't get on Zillow Flex unless they've closed a couple online leads through Ojo and, and OpCity. That's, that was our new rule this year. Got it. So you sign them up for Ojo and OpCity, and then if they get good at closing those leads and converting them, then you open up the, the gates for Flex. Yeah, but Zillow Flex is not good for us. We were getting like, at its peak, like 400 connections a month in summer. Now we're down to 30. 30 leads can't even support like five people. Yeah, right. So how many leads, do you have a metric of how many leads that you guys provide to the agents or that's not the main focus of providing them? That's not really our main focus. I, I, do, I do get a weekly report breaking down all the lead sources, how many we have, what's pipeline stage through a very lengthy email from our ISA we call them the lead scientists, but it's not focused on company and actually deter people from using that unless, unless they like just absolutely don't have any more resources. Yeah. I think that makes sense in a way, because if you're going so hard and if you're scaling so fast, you can only scale so fast in the lead gen part of it, because if you over leverage on lead gen, then you're over expending versus having so many agents that can actually just revenue follows people. Right. So yeah, uh, if you just bring them in and put them out there into the public, the same way you did, then you can replicate your results with your sphere and people around you more easily. Yeah, I mean, it was good when we had it at its peak. We had like 60, we, I mean, we did these things like squats too. We brought people up into different groups and they had crazy ass names like THC group or Backstreet Men or it was just like funny names every single time. <laughs> and they had their own, I can't explain it. It was like so stupid and so funny. Um, and we 
did them by rounds. I paid the, the team leader, those squads, money, prizes for best number of sales. And then we did that for a year, like three rounds, uh, three months, three months, four months. But then it stopped working. We tried to hire, then we hired a full-on salesperson. And like, that was great because Zillow Flex gets you like maybe what you would normally get in two year, three years of business crammed into you know, a six-month cycle paying a referral fee. Uh, but we saw the writing on wall. This is not sustainable. And we actually don't want to be become a company that's so dependent on online leads. In fact, like one year, we lost over 25 agents to one other independent brokerage uh, in our area. We're, we're in good terms. Like there's no bad blood or anything. But 26 of our agents, now up to 40, actually within the next, including this year, many of our agents left over there because they had Zillow Flex and they had a cat model. We don't have it. So a lot of agents just want a better deal because they were heavy on Zillow Flex and they didn't want to build their own business. So to pay a cap on your own deals, but still pay a bet, even a better Zillow Flex where you keep it in your pocket, that seems like better. But now looking back, like because we played the long game, you know, we lost a lot of those agents, but now a lot of those agents probably are not doing that well anymore because they were so dependent on the online leads that they didn't really spend time building their brands. That makes right. sense. So we took, you know, the initiative early, uh, early in January this year. I was like, screw Zillow Flex, it's not even part of our recruiting appointment. We don't even bring it up unless it's asked. And then we built brands and now we, you know, that's how we brought on almost 300 team members this year, not to online leads. Yeah. Last year, it was different. You know, it was, it was definitely online leads as one, as one component of it. So you use the term squad. Are there little micro teams within your, yeah, your team? Correct. So, so it's, is it fair to say that there's people on your team doing maybe a hundred deals and they have a buyer's agent that's also, you know, part oh, of no. So the, the squads was specific to Zillow Flex, nothing else. Got it. Yeah. We just wanted um, someone to manage weekly account, be check-ins. This is how you run the script um best practices to get our conversion up okay yeah and then they so they weren't quite team teams they just become squads but are there little there are little micro teams within your team we do kind of know which is how we built it probably one of every four transactions on our on our team are between two agents some a couple of agents work exclusively with each other uh, many don't because then during COVID, people are now you know you're shopping with clients over an hour away which is pretty normal I'm in Oakland, but agents in Oakland are selling homes stocked in Sacramento. That's the pricing and people, you know, leaving the main areas. Uh, but because we have offices all over that place, including Stockton and Sacramento, which are both like 89 minutes away, agents are now are able to partner with another agent in another market. So we're, that's where like collaboration is huge in our environment. That's not heard of in any company. Um, you typically have your team, you know, especially Keller Williams, you have your team and it's really weird for your team member to work with any other team member that are in, in the nervous team or just team or a compass too, right? Cause you had contracts for your team and then it wouldn't make sense for that team member to get an extra override over that team members deal. If they work with their team member, it just gets really weird. So we, we built it more like a brokerage. Like I, I, I can, that's more like to, cause we're like a brokerage. So I think we're running more like a Keller Williams model where we we're here, we're to support, but the difference between us and. KW or many of these franchises that we have multiple locations where the agents actually can go to different locations to work out and they interact with each other at a very high level. So is it fair to say, if I understand that correctly, if I'm in Oakland and I'm on Team Fast and I have a deal that's in Sacramento, instead of me doing like a 30% referral or 25% referral to another agent in that area, yeah. I partner up with somebody else in Team yep. Fast. That's a selling point too, because then the Oakland agent now, you know, if you refer someone now, that's typically the end of that right. relationship with that referral, right? And the next time they refer someone, they're probably going to give a referral to that Sacramento agent. Yep. But now the way we work here, and that's how I built my business, like, again, partnering with so many agents, three, four years later, when they call me, they're still call, they're, they call us more, more, more times than that, they're calling me. So now the Oakland agent, the next referral that comes in from there, they're going to reach out to the Oakland agent. They probably will likely also bring in that same Sacramento agent in, but that even if they're buying Sacramento or buying uh, whatever, but at least that agent gets the referral and they continue to build their brand and business. Yeah, That's different than many, many companies out there. It's a smart strategy. It, the only thing is, what's the plan for 
you know, next year and for 2024 and after that, how do you strategize so that way you're standing out from the rest of the, the other teams and brokerages out there? Social media, uh, this year we hired a video editor. Uh, we're cranking out on average about 30, 40 reels a week right now. A lot of it is the talking head style, which um, it gets kind of boring, but the agents do that until they're comfortable, like just getting on camera and doing the, you know, the scripts and all that. And then start creating custom content. But last week we hired a second and third video editor. So we're like, we're going to be cranking out over a hundred reels a week. Wow. Give you an example. We set up this super nice podcast room two weeks ago. Right now, it's, it's custom design. It, I, it's like this with a TV in the back. It's a matte finished TV, a Samsung gallery, with a logo in the back, with lights on the bottom, with a, a very good lighting setup. And now, probably I've seen 20, 30 of our agents come in this week to do really intimate happy holidays videos, prof like highly professional grade and cut with music videos to send to their uh, database or post on social media. So stuff like that is what's going to get a lot of people's attention. And now with the videos, we're able to create more and more of that stuff. And then if agents are bringing or doing other concepts and stuff like that, they can send to our team and we'll cut it up. So next year is all in on personal branding and, and video. So and there's like taking social media and really leveling up. And there's no, no other team I know even has a video editor. No other brokerage I know in Thai Bay Area has a, has a video editor. And we now we're on our, we're on our third one. So is it, is it fair to say that if you're on the team, you can you have access to that? You could just pop in there, yeah, free. film whatever you want, and yeah, we build a Google type form. You input what you, what is this for YouTube? Is this for, oh yeah, we're gonna do a TV show next year. Uh, is this for YouTube or Reels? And then the style you want, the captions, type of music you want, that you drop all your files in the Dropbox. It goes up into the cloud. And then later on the editor will get back to you and here's your five Reels and then you post them however you want. Sick. Yeah. And that like, that's kind of how we build a new agents here, have tons of training, foundational stuff. We have a huge mentorship program. The medium agents, I don't know, someone may be making 100, 200 grand a year, where they're going to get a lot of value is partnering with other agents, um, ongoing training, building a personal brand, getting into social media. Third, uh, the higher level agents making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, within our system, agents who partner up with another agent on the team get the benefit of a higher split. So agents here making 400 grand or higher have a 90% split. But any agent working with them on the deal gets a benefit of the higher split. At other companies, traditional brokerages, the lower, the newer agent, less producing agent has a lower split. And that, that, that difference goes straight to their brokerage, which is common. But here, like both agents get more value uh, and they keep more money in their pocket. So now it allows these high producing agents who want more, who wants more time back to be able to benefit from running a team inside of our brokerage. And then they also have, we have an army, we have, I think we have 20 virtual assistants. So the video editors are three of them. We have a, our own marketing department. Uh, we take on custom requests. Um, they can, we, we even have someone like give you an example. Her name is Barbie. We have a VA that all she does right now is audit everyone's social media profiles on Yelp, on LinkedIn, on Zillow and get their files and everything set up. So we have a checklist making sure every single person is updated. Uh, and then we have other random VAs at different things. Uh, any project you can think of. A lot of it's like database entry or cleanup. We even have an ISA team. We have four ISAs on team. We we're beta testing. Five agents are doing right now. It's been going pretty well. We're calling agents existing databases to nurture their leads to hand off to them for a phone call to, for a continued conversation. That's a very low profit center for us. It might even be a small loss doing that, but we're able to retain a lot of agents making three, 400 grand a year. So you have someone virtually doing that or that's yeah, it? all virtual. Yeah. So, so like how we build our company and me interviewing a lot of agents in that higher, higher production is like, well, where do you, where, where are some gap business? Why do you need virtual assistant? Well, guess what? We have one. You're, you know, then I need to get my video game, social media game up. What are you doing? Like, oh, I got hired video editor. Well, do you have a place to shoot your content? Do you have someone chopping up for you? Yeah, you can do it one by one. But how? if you had to pay $50 to do a video, it's not very expensive. But like, you're going to be, you actually have to think about, damn, like, you know, budget. I'll do three videos this week. And maybe next week I'll do five. This might not do 10 because I don't want to spend more than 
But the, the whole mentality is different. You have unlimited videos you can do. You're just sitting here and chop things up all day. If it sucks, you move on. It doesn't cost you a dime. So we have something in our company for every tier of agent, I think. I, that's, I think that's why no other company has is able to reach what we're doing here. And they, but you, know, you also have to plug in and actually do these things. Yeah. So a brand new agent coming in the team, do they get administrative backend support or is it just strictly the brand building and then everybody's responsible for closing out and maintaining their own deals? Like, do they have a transaction coordinator? Oh, no, they, they hired their own. Yeah, got it. So it's building it within there. And what's the tier structure? So if a brand new agent comes on the team, what's the split? Brand new agents, they pay us 50% on the first three deals that required, and then they go to 75-25. And on the first three tra transactions, they're required to work with an advisor. We renamed the program from mentor to advisor. The advisor strictly just deals with contract stuff, but we had, they don't deal with deal doctoring that much or like, hey, how to start a farm open house. They really just do contract questions. Uh, and then the, the advisor gets 10% of their deal. That's smart. And after that, they go to 75-25. If they earn 200 grand a year, they can go up to 80, 80% splits. If they earn 300 grand a year, they go to 85% splits. And then 400 grand a year, they go to 90% split. Where just as competitive or better than most companies in our area. And you've really built like an awesome culture within a brokerage model that's powered by EXP or brokered yep. by EXP. So it's like there's so many different benefits there that work uh, in your favor, which is, which is pretty awesome. And the agents on the team too. Um, yeah. And then at EXP, they do, we don't tap in that much at 70 hours online training a week. We're in our fast forward ESP group, and then we do Monday masterminds, and then we have like Wednesday mastermind for operators and a biweekly mastermind for high level people. So there's a lot. Like we, there's if agents just plug in all day, they they can. The, the trick like to keeping busy agents productive is just keeping them busy. They have to be always learning something or doing something. So how long did it take for you to build that culture for to attract agents to keep them in there and to build it up? Well, my final year at client was when I actually built my own team fast. So we were like, I don't know, we were known for white claws and stuff. It was a younger team, so like we were able to go do more outings, um, promote ourselves using just the, the team fast brand. And then it wasn't until we got to ESP, we were like so heavy on online that we're sharing each other and building it out. But the culture got really strong. I it wasn't that hard to build a good culture. If you think about it during COVID, because it doesn't matter what company you're at, you're, you're not allowed to go to the office. There's, you can't go talk to people. You can't see people and you know everyone had their masks on. So I would say, this is to say, I don't care how great a culture was at any company, any brokers, there was no culture that year. And Zoom calls were very, most people couldn't even run that Zoom call or had nothing to talk about. So I would say because of our connection, give you an example, I posted yesterday, it was actually a year ago. So December 22nd last year, I did a picture. Uh, we had a white elephant last year. No, sorry, two years ago. We had a white elephant two years ago when our team was close to 100 people, but everyone dropped off gifts at their local office. We had two offices at that time. So I picked up all the gifts and I brought it back to my house with a really cool Christmas tree. And we did a whole white elephant. It was super fun, happy hour on Zoom. So I think we had like 60 people on Zoom doing that. And then some of the stuff you just can't replicate anymore on building culture. You know, I built my community culture around my 70 webinars. There's another pandemic is not happening where that can be done. You know, and then that taking advantage of the the white elephant doing that time that built our culture so yeah your other company can do it but it's not as uh organic yeah three years ago or four years ago kenny did you ever think it would get this big no i in fact i um i had a big idea to buy a house and i did i i, I couldn't qualify my details so low for the first one but a couple months later i was able to buy the biggest house a new community this is like nine hundred thousand dollar house i was trying to copy ryan serhan or just have a house people work out of and then by the time i bought the house it was delayed 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 last year in november I was like, all right, this is not going to work because I have like 200 team members. I can't work out this Oakland house. And I also got this $9 square feet warehouse we're at now. So my big goal that year, I was like, man, it'd be crazy if I can get to 50 team members. In fact, the Tom Ferry, I have it in my book, the Tom Ferry in 2018. So three, yeah, three and a half years ago, 
I wrote my big goal, like big hairy audacious goal was $200 million in um, sales volume with 30 agents. That was as big as I thought. I was like, that's crazy. I get there because I had, I did 56 million, go from 56 million to 200 million is, you know, pretty wild, I think in a year or two years. And when the 56 million year was before ESP, we came here first year, I hit 127 million. We doubled in one year. And then last year we hit 693 million. So we doubled our business one year, then we five X it. So we actually like close to 12 X to our business in two years. And this year we're up 10%. In 11% in sales. So yeah, so now I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? Well, I told people I would do 2 billion this year and we, we're, we're falling short. We're doing 760 million because the market shifted. But next year I'm forecasting to do a 1.4 billion. It just, I'm just doing Asian count. I have almost 400 agents by mid-year average of the year. I probably have like 500 agents. Really I have 700 agents by next, next year. Let's just say 400, oh, sorry, three. Yeah, like so close to 700 agents by the next year. So I'm just taking an average of 500 agents through the year and then giving each person four transactions. That's 2,000 transactions. And the average price is 700 something. So that's $1.4 billion in sales next year. And, and you, you, you said something, uh, I think you whispered it. You said, I'm going to start a TV show. Is that what you're doing or you're just joking around? Oh, that's our, um, we're dealing with retention issues just because people are looking for cheaper options or leaving the team, saying ESP. So we got to start having things that are more exclusive. So the video editors is just one small thing we do. Here. And then next year, I want to like really level up the social media thing and build a TV show. Like I, I think all the Netflix shows are corny as hell. I don't watch many of them. Or, but the, the more recent one I watched, I really liked. Um, buying Beverly Hills, the agency. Yeah. And because they mostly focus on their team members, it wasn't a lot of caddy. In fact, the only drama was between two guys. I didn't finish the season, but the two guys, I was like, okay, they're not creating drama on purpose. They're running a business. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. I was thinking like hiring a. Um, we have our own in-house studio and uh, executive producer, but he doesn't do too much stuff outside. I was like, why don't I hire a videographer next year and start showcasing the personalities? You know, I have, again, I almost have 400 team members. There's going to be some funny stuff in there and we do a lot of events showcasing what they're doing and kind of turning an online TV show uh, on YouTube. So that's going to probably create more retention and recruiting for a company because you're only going to be on it if you're part of the team. That's true. That's a good idea. So out of all the seminars and the, the things that you go to, you said it was like a hundred and change. I know none of those ideas are probably being shared there. Where do these ideas come from? What inspires that? The, their ideas or my ideas or what? Your ideas, like for, to start a TV show, but you go to all these seminars, but I know they're not teaching you that. Or if I, if I see something, if I see something or hear something more than a couple of times, like I, I was like, I probably should think about that because this TV show thing, I mean, a lot of people have done it, but I really like Veronica Figueroa in Florida. I, she showcased some of the stuff that she was doing. They recorded her leadership meeting summit. They went up to like a house somewhere. I was like, people got really intimate. It was a behind the scenes stuff. The TV show is going to show more behind the scenes seen stuff and not just trying to make us look cool because you know, right. these are people, real people realize and then and saw in that buying beverly hills like it sounded like small ideas but after starting by buying beverly hills like okay i i like this a lot like i want to show the people more and that kind of escalated so and then the ideas are yeah the ideas are all from conferences if i hear something more a couple of times i was like okay i should look into this a little more that's the thing about going to these conferences i stopped going i'm stopped, i'm not going to big ones anymore i'm trying to go like more unique stuff give you an example like i joined new homes mastermind so i'm going to go to that uh he's a video content creator and like ryan pineda has a new summit called tight summit in vegas and smart i want to go to that so like the tom fairies big the mike fairies the big ones the common ones like i don't i'm not i don't really learn too much from that so those are the ones i'm stuck taking a step away from going to and try to focus on these like mini masterminds where it might be 20 to 50 people and there's more intimate and like a little more higher level conversations. So is it safe to say that your assumption of the future is going to be more towards social media, brand creation per person? That's like- Oh yeah, that. 100%. You're, you're seeing that in the space right now. Like all, all influencers are trying to get into video and market space because it's untapped money. And some of the, uh, the, the future is like social and it's a big team building. So 
you know, like coaches like Chet Black is blown up because it's really focused on coaching and recruiting. And then there's like, once it's something that lift off Asia Norman held, like a video conference thing today, some in the marketing is huge. And then, oh, and then me and my coach, Raquel Quinette, I think Raquel has like 60 coaching clients in her mastermind. Me and Raquel are going to create a coaching program launching next month. This is actually the first time I'm announcing it. Focus on team leader, brand building and content creation. Because there's a huge gap right now of people not knowing what to do. And like stuff I talked about today that can be done to really scale teams. And then all of this just helps you helps more opportunities to recruit. All team leaders are like are focused on recruiting this year. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? Um, still early stage. We're gonna set up like a mastermind where we do group coaching and then create experiences at least twice a year. When I go to uh, some ideas we play around with, we all, all go to like because she did something with her group, a women's group in her mastermind where they all went like business building. We all went to Mikonos, uh and just did a summit there. But the idea is like bring people to really cool locations and then outside the monthly or group coaching calls and then also create the experiences there and then create and then bring in uh, video people to create a lot of these reels and content. So now we're actually doing the content for the people through the experiences. And then during non the times that we aren't physically on site, we would teach them how to build their brands. And then possibly we'll do like regional stuff, smaller intimate masterminds and uh, get together events so we can create more stuff together. So it's really not just teaching them, actually just doing for them too. Awesome, man. Kenny, thank you so much. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. conscious of our time, I, I uh, and I want to respect your time as well. This has been uh, an overwhelming amount of value. We really do appreciate uh, you spending some time with us today. And sharing you're busy. Yeah, yeah well, thank, thanks for having me on. Of course. Kenny, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? At Instagram, at Kenny Fast, at Kenny underscore Fast. All right. And uh, before you jump off, last best piece of advice you've ever been given? It's just speed execution. When you hear something, just do it. Like, stop. Stop second guessing stuff. If someone's smarter than you, richer than you, more successful than you, and he tells you to do something, and you hear it, or if you hear it more than a couple of times, you should just do it. Man, it doesn't matter if it's perfect. It, yeah. Yeah. Action is better than perfection. I love that. Well, Kenny, yeah. this has been awesome. Thank you again, man.